Welcome to the DraftKings Football Show. We've got an exciting week too for me to give my rapid recap. I'll review my cash lineup, some game selection discussion, highlight a player that's on pace to break all the records. We'll chat some rainmakers oof, and some injuries that we'll be monitoring throughout the week. We've got a ton to discuss. Let's get to it right now. Hello, hello, welcome, welcome. We are back. It is Sunday evening late. Dolphins and Patriots just finished with a bit of a wonky finish, and I am here to give my rapid recap on the week, how everything went down for me and across the league. Um, overall, a lot more fun than week one. It was great to see offenses actually clicking. I think we had like 12 out of 13, 12 out of 13 games hit the overs during the main slate. So uh, great to see the action picking up. Uh, for me personally, pretty, pretty good week. Definitely happy. Um, if I look at specifically on best ball for DraftKings, uh, for the 555, I'm advancing at 26%. For the $10 one, I'm advancing at 35%. I'm always targeting to get above 25, but really anything above 18, you're pretty happy. So uh, love how things are going there. It really just feels like a lot of things are kind of clicking with some late value. And uh yeah, so uh, good, good start there. It's very, very early. If you are curious or thinking about like how you should be, you know, reviewing your best balls, obviously it's a little difficult without having the ability to see kind of portfolio and ownership percentages within DraftKings. But for your actual teams, uh, I put out a thread a week or so ago, so check that out. And it goes through kind of how I'm usually sweating the best ball season. And it is so, so early. So uh, take everything with a grain of salt because everything is far more player-based this early, and once buys hit, once we see more injuries, that's when the roster construction angles really start coming into play. Okay, starting off with the cash game, I thought this was a pretty fun cash week because uh, there wasn't any like clear train that everyone was going to be, be on. Even last week in week one, we kind of knew like, hey, there were two core lineups, the Anthony Richardson one, that um, Josh Allen one, and most people would just be on one of those two, and I think we ended up seeing around 30 what was it, maybe 29 and 12 or something like that. It was, a, you know, a little more, substantially, a little more than a third, definitely less than half, but we're on those two. This week, there was no train at all, and it really came down to just in groups of players, who did you really want to prioritize? Uh, for me personally, my cash lineup was Josh Allen, A.J. Dillon, Josh Kelly, Debo Samuel, Devontae Adams, Calvin Ridley, Luke Musgrave, Pukunakua, and... The Cardinals defense. All right. How did I get to this lineup? What was my process? Oh, and I scored 124.16. Um, I'll go into how that actually did and like break down, but at a high level, I was like right at the cash line. Um, head to heads, won 57% of those. I'll go into the kind of game selection discussion in a second. But first off, kind of picking this lineup, where it come from. For me, was really looking at Josh Allen, Anthony Richardson, and Daniel Jones as my three QBs. Liked a lot of things about each of them, but when I was going down to Anthony Richardson, Daniel Jones, I just didn't feel like I was getting enough with the savings and Josh Allen going against the Raiders at home with how poorly they played the first week. I thought this was kind of the best from a safe as well as upside. So I'm with the Josh Allen and also at 7,900, it still felt like we weren't really paying Josh Allen's full price. Uh, running backs, I went with AJ Dillon and Josh Kelly, who both snowflaked for me. Uh, I, you know, Really, definitely no regrets on the Josh Kelly one. The AJ Dillon, I thought it was like a coin flip with Dave Montgomery, but there was the talk about Gibbs having a larger role. And uh, 
with Aaron Jones out, I figured that A.J. Dillon was just going to get like that full workload, and we've seen him used in the receiving game. Neither of them really did well for me. Um, was also considering Dave Montgomery, Rashad White, a little more expensive, and then CMC if you wanted to pay all the way up. Um, but I went for the values, both of them at around 5,500. And uh, yeah, they were unfortunately the anchors to my lineup, not in a positive way. Um, on the wide receiver side, you've got Devontae and Ridley were kind of pretty clear choices for me. Not locks, because you also had other guys like Jamar Chase and Stephon Diggs that I was looking at. Uh, but those two, I think, really stood out from the game environment as well as the role. Jacoby Myers being out, we expected Devontae Adams just to have a huge target share. And then Calvin Ridley, I'm still trying to get ahead of, um, probably you know, make up for the lack of how much I didn't draft him in uh, best ball and get ahead on. I think like he still is going to be that clear alpha in this in this offense for Jacksonville. Did not really you know, do much this week with only two receptions, but uh, I think there's going to be better days ahead. He's still going to be that clear alpha. Um, for me, the other two wide receivers, my wide receiver and flex was Debo and Puka. And I thought from a price wise, as well as the role in their offense was just too good to really ignore. Um, I did like though, if you were going to go down and pay down, you could get Josh Reynolds and Jaden Reed, both profiled well for their roles and, um, both ended up absolutely smashing. I just kind of felt that, Hey, Puga and Debo were not that much more. And from a roster construction, I was already paying down the running back. And so, both of those turned into great games, really gave me a bit of a late hammer to give me in contention for my caches. Uh, at the tight end position, it's pretty ugly across the board. You go Luke Musgrave, also consider someone like Dalton Kincaid. Um, for me, it was just Luke Musgrave is going to be running, um, you know, playing 100% of the snaps, running routes on almost every one. Um, and so that's where it was like, hey, you know, a little concern in having like AJ Dillon and Luke Musgrave because you do have that larger macro risk of this offense but i thought they were both just had such a clear role and their prices were so cheap that it was worth it musgrave did not do that well only two for 25 but um no real tight end you know other than i think if you paid up really differentiated um and then for the cardinals it was just kind of a i think we're going to want to attack um teams on defense that are playing against this giants offensive line um yes we saw the giants end up with a miraculous comeback scoring 31 straight points uh, but Cardinals were still able to get three sacks interception. I think this is still going to be a team. We're going to be attacking the Giants. If you have any, you know, defense that has that kind of front seven that can put that pressure and get those sacks. Um, so overall, as I had 124.16, um, what really stands out for me, and this is what I want to talk about game selection. So like head to heads, I won 57% of those. Those are kind of wonky. I post head to heads. Some people pick them up. I usually post up to about 500 or such. And, um, you know, I think, if you are able to post and get action, you're not going to get much action, but I think it's definitely worth it. Where I think the contest selection really gets interesting is when we look at the 50-50s and these, um, the 50-50s and double-ups. I entered the $250 single-entry double-up, the $100 single-entry double-up. I cashed in both of those. I finished above the line. I had 124.16. I barely did. The lines were 123.7 and 123.18. So you can see, like, yeah, obviously it was fortunate, barely, barely slid in. But to cash there, it was that 123 number. For the giant, um, for the for the giant ones where you can, there's a $5, a $10, $25, where you can actually enter 150 lineups. I want to compare those. If you look at the giant one, the $10 one, the cut line, the cash line was 131.84. So seven to eight, eight plus, eight, around eight points more 
than those single entry ones. And then if you look at the $5 one with 150, it was 126.46. We're looking at around three, three and a half points more than those single entry. And so if you are on, you know, when you're thinking about your bankroll management, if you're not trying to get excessive volume and you're not trying, you're happy just to kind of pay, take that 250 single entry, take that 100 single entry. It's interesting, but we see this time and time again, it is softer to play that $250 single entry, that $100 single entry, than to enter a bunch of lineups in the ones, the $5, the $10, where people are putting in 150. Just so much of the overall, so much of the overall composition of those tournaments are the people who are pros or sharp, but they're the you know, where we're talking probably coin flips with regards to our decisions, the ones where you're getting the far easier competition, the ones who uh, you know, hey, I'm just gonna put $100 one and see how I do. That's where we wanna be spending our time. So just some game selection discussion there. Focus on the single entry more than anything too. Oh, there was also one other one called a giant $100 single entry. And that cut line was 122.76. Again, these are substantially lower than the ones where you can enter 150. So be sharp, be smart, be conscious around what you are entering, especially for these 50-50s, these double ups. Okay, on my lineup, one person that I kind of glossed over quickly, but we'll definitely discuss. So this Puka, I mean, it is insane and arguably like never been done before what we're seeing out of him. So, <laughs> I mean, it's like the amount of volume that he's gotten as an unheralded, you know, didn't get them that much, um, you know, didn't get that much actual praise coming out of college. Wasn't that early of a draft pick. Um, yes, you have the Cooper Cup injury, but I mean, if we look at just, and obviously this is going to regress, but just for fun, like Michael Thomas has the most receptions in a season at 149. Marvin Harrison has the most targets at 205. Puka currently is on target for 213 receptions. So breaking Michael Thomas's by about 60, some 64 receptions and 298 targets, 93 more than Marvin Harrison got. Absolutely insane this pace. And uh, so Yes, like I think a lot of people were thinking like, hey, this week in cash is going to get San Francisco. The you know Rams are going to have a large challenge and they did last week against Seattle. Can I really play him? Is it too risky? Um, I mean, his price needs to go up to probably 7,000, at least 6,500 before we should be considering not playing him. But in this current role, it's the most valuable role we're seeing in fantasy. And uh, it's crazy to think, like, from a best ball standpoint, my guess is that he was only drafted in probably, oh, for sites where there were 18 rounds, he was probably only drafted in, like, 5 to 10% of those drafts across the entire um, tournament. And then uh, for DraftKings, maybe that's closer to, like, 15 or so. But so often, I mean, so many of these drafts were held before we were even discussing much about Puka. It wasn't until kind of that week or two weeks before when we started having a bit more discussion on the Cooper Cup injury, uh, that Puka really kind of became a more common draft pick. So if you were to have him in best ball, um, I think that is just, you are in a fan, fantastic shape. Me personally, I ended up with him on seven out of my uh, 150 555 teams, and they were all almost in that final week. It was just realizing that, hey, this was a player who has some upside. Obviously, didn't think it was anywhere near what we are seeing now, but just trying to in those last weeks as we talk about 
find the players that are not being drafted throughout the year. So in the situation where someone does have a breakout, like we have with Puka, um, you now have not only, you know, hey, looking good within your league, but when you actually get to the playoffs, you've got a leverage piece that is not going to be on many teams. Let's move on a little to Rainmakers. We'll go through some, um, just kind of follow up on what I talked about last week, where I was like, hey, I think the opportunity, I think the play here is really to target and get ahead of the game on these New York Giants. Giants look atrocious, losing 40 to zero against Dallas in week one. They come out against Arizona first half again, personally not scoring. I think they went, they went um, 20 plus points. It was like 60 to zero were their first like six quarters. It was insane. But then we finally started seeing what this offense could do. Daniel Jones ended up QB1 on the day. Isaiah Hodgins had a touchdown. And so I ended up with two decent caches where I told you last week, I went and bought a bunch of the Giants cards, getting ahead of where they're going to have all these primetime games coming up. So I've got some extra lineups. I throw them in, got some decent caches just because of how well they performed. And uh, now we do have to monitor the Saquon Barkley. He did have an ankle injury at the end of the game. So we'll see how that plays into things. Now, Brady's cards are already kind of up around 300% as people are forecasting that he'll probably be that replacement starting back, which I do think makes sense if Saquon Barkley were to miss any games. Um, but the rest of the Giants, I still think, especially from a Daniel Jones, like our values, we're going to see their price go up, I think, over the next week or two as you hit these primetime games where it was, I think, if I remember correctly, it was three of the next four weeks they will have a primetime game. Um, yeah, three of the next four games are prime time. Just confirm that. Okay, cool. Um, and yeah, so injuries, uh, this is, you know, well, throughout the week, and there's a lot of great podcasts out there that'll go more into the kind of the snap, you know, snap count targets, routes run, all the, that data that'll probably be more usually released Monday morning. Um, but for now I'm going to focus on where the injuries that we saw happen today, how I think they may impact the team, what should be considering and uh, you know, what we should just be monitoring forward. So first one, most noteworthy, Devontae Adams, concussion. We should have Jacoby Myers the week before, concussion. Interesting how in that first week, 19 of the 26 targets, like 73%, I think that is, um, went to both either Devontae or Jacoby. And now in week three, there's a chance that we don't have either of those two guys behind Devontae this week. It was really just Josh Jacobs elevated where he had six targets. Everything else was pretty spread out. I don't think anyone had more than three. If you don't have Devontae, if you don't have Jacoby, gosh, it's going to be interesting. The only confidence I would have is that Josh Jacobs, we have seen when um, when their primary target players go down, Josh Jacobs does increase his targets. Um, we were, I was looking at this in the Slack channel with the ETR guys last week. And when, when Hunter Renfro missed games last year, I think week three and four, Hunter Renfro missed, and Josh Jacobs' target totals spiked up from one the first two games to I think it was something around like five or six those next two games. Then Hunter Renfro came back later on in the season. He missed again, and again, Josh Jacobs' targets spiked up. So we already saw that this week with them going to six targets. And if you don't have Devontae, if you don't have Jacoby, or if you don't have one of those two, um, I think Josh Jacobs is probably the uh, most trustworthy benefactor of this, but Josh Jacobs did not look good in the rushing game. Maybe that's going to change. I'm not sure, but I think that's just how I'm playing this. Also concussion, Anthony Richardson. Um, unfortunate to see the concussion. We know that's going to be a risk with the way that he plays, but like, wow, Anthony Richardson is going to be extremely hard to fade going forward. Uh, he had two rushing touchdowns, 35 rushing yards as well. 
And uh, that was in what, less than a half. Uh, and the best part is the Colts team actually looks really good. Like even Zach Moss, I think had 88 yards and touchdown today. Uh, this team just seems like they, you know, sure it's a little, you know, it's like coming over, but um, it looks really impressive. Hopefully Anthony Richardson is able to get back on the field pretty quickly. If he is not, um, Gardner Minshew was adequate. We know, you know, Gardner Minshew's been a starting quarterback before. Michael Pittman is probably the biggest kind of risk here. He's been seeing unreal usage again today. He had 39% target share. Um, so whether it's Minshew, whether it's Anthony Richardson, Michael Pittman is still kind of that primary target uh, monster. And so hopefully Anthony Richardson is able to come back. But if he's not, I still trust Michael Pittman. Um, so I think that Gardner Minshew is still looking for him and able to get that ball to him. I think just the entire offense probably uh, takes a little, I don't know, maybe the offense doesn't actually take that much of a hit. Maybe, honestly, maybe just the Anthony Richardson that really takes the hit of obviously not playing. Um, maybe running backs get a little bit of a boost because now we're on the goal line. You don't have Gardner Minshew stealing it the work as much as Anthony Richardson would be. Uh, in the late game, another concussion, we saw Jalen Waddle. He had a 21% target share before going down to, down today, led the team in yards with 86. That was positive. Uh, good to see after his target share in week one was around, I think, 11%. Um, so seeing him kind of increase that, and it really felt like if you watched the game, he was kind of uh, you know, a core part of that offense. Uh, hopefully he's able to uh, be okay from that concussion or you know, at least in the protocol that we're expecting. And then Logan Thomas, last one for the concussion that I'm monitoring, uh, had a great touchdown catch and got absolutely jacked up um, in the end zone. Uh, hopefully, you know, not, not really too fantasy relevant, but if you saw the uh, play, oof, that was a scary one. All right, ankles. We got two ankle injuries, Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham. Saquon, the x-rays were negative. He's going to get an MRI on Monday. So we're hopeful that this is not going to be a prolonged injury, that there's not much damage. My guess is it is just some form of an ankle sprain. If it's high ankle, who knows? That could be two, three, four weeks. If it's a low ankle sprain, I doubt he's going to be out there this week. It's a shortened week. Um, when they have that Thursday game. So most likely Saquon would be out this week is my guess. And then hopefully he'll be back the week after. Matt Breda is that next guy up, as we've talked about. And then Odell as well with an ankle injury. Um, just in general, like who, you know, if Odell is out, I don't think there's just like a single benefactor for this one, um, beneficiary. It was really weird. Like Nelson Aguilar went five for 63 and a touchdown. WTF there. Uh, Bateman still not getting much usage. I think they're slowly ramping him up. Um, I don't think there's just like, a, and even Zay Flowers' usage was substantially less than what we saw in game one. Yes, Mark Andrews is back and he led the team in targets today. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Garrett Wilson was also injured. Undisclosed there. Um, not really sure what that was. We'll, we'll monitor, but to be honest, it's, you know, there's no pass catcher behind him that I really would trust at all. Zach Wilson, um, no, he is who we thought he is. Yeah. Oh, Davin Cook looks absolute dust. Um, yeah. Brees Hall needs to get more and more touches. Difficult matchup today with versus Dallas, but um, I think there will be brighter days ahead, at least for Brees. Hopefully, Garrett Wilson will come back. Um, Joe Burrow. It was, this is near the end of the game, so I don't think we can attribute this to why they had such I don't know, difficult struggles in the first half, but it sounds like Joe Burrow re-aggravated that calf that he's been recovering from. Um, you know, If he's unable to play, this is going to be an obvious hit from uh, pretty much everyone in that offense. This is where we're starting to get in that discussion of like, you know, should they have been playing him? If, you know, 
obviously we can't change the past, but now when you're in a similar decision, are you going to play him? They're 0-2. If you go 0-3, like 0-4, these stats on making the playoffs after starting 0-3, 0-4 are very, very bad. So uh, it's going to be some difficult decisions for Cincy. Hopefully Joe Burrow is getting better, though. Uh, one more injury we'll discuss. David Montgomery, popular cash game play today. Obviously, in that shootout matchup between Seattle and Detroit, and David Montgomery looked to have a very similar role to what he had in week one. Um, I think what was most noteworthy is when he got hurt, injured, he had this quad injury, Craig Reynolds started playing more. Craig Reynolds was used on third downs. I think they trust Craig Reynolds blocking more. And again, this was what we've been concerned about with Jameer Gibbs is will they trust him to be a, hey, if you're going to be a third down back, you're going to be the pass catching back. You also need to be able to block well. And uh, I don't think they trust him in that spot yet. So my biggest takeaway here is if Dave Montgomery does miss a game or two, I don't think you should expect this to be like a Gibbs workhorse role. I think uh, it would be you know a crowded backfield. Gibbs would probably keep a pretty similar role to what he's had these first two weeks with maybe that just that, in, you know, that similar slow trajectory increase, uh, but definitely not expecting that to ramp up, you know, you know to, to 100 minutes. Um, immediately. Okay. That is the, those are the main ones for today. Um, those are my, you know, want to keep these pods, at least, you know, that rapid recap pretty quick. Just kind of give you a little peek into what my days were like, what my day was like and what I'm thinking about going forward. One other fun note, if you are in the New York city area, we're going to be doing a bit of a, like a best ball DFS kind of meetup, very informal. Um, but anyone is welcome it is going to be Wednesday the 20th, uh, so in a couple of days, Wednesday 20th at 6 p.m. at a bar called Laissez Faire um, that is near the World Trade Center um, down in Financial District area. So if anyone is interested in coming, just shoot me a DM just so I can you know get the numbers right. Um, can shout out to one of our uh, you know one of our fellow best ball DFS drafters. Actually, uh, I think he owns operates this new bar, Laissez Faire, just opened in the past couple of weeks. So excited to check it out and appreciate him for opening it up for us. But um, yeah, and I'll, I'll have another tweet out about it on Monday, but just send me a DM if you are interested. Would love for anyone to join. Everyone's welcome. And that is it. Well, hopefully you all had a great week too. Uh, mine was pretty decent. I'm okay with it. Best ball is going really well. Good start there. And uh we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna continue to we're gonna continue to improve. We're gonna keep going, we're gonna keep learning, and um best of luck to everyone. I will see you all again on Thursday. I'll be back as we start kind of detailing the week ahead and uh double headed for Monday Night Football. So enjoy that and uh I will talk to you all later. Bye.